Hey everyone, welcome to They Teach That, a podcast about film, video, and TV production programs in our schools. I'm your host, Kevin Patterson. Okay, so last time you guys heard me, I said I was going to take a one-week hiatus. It is now a month and a half later, and I'm finally back in your feed. I'm really sorry for being MIA for uh, pretty much the rest of the summer. I expected the month of July to be uh, a bunch of baby prep as I have a child due next month, but I didn't expect my month to be as taken up uh, as it was. I guess as a soon-to-be father, I should get used to that. Um, Even my weekends were kind of a restless and constant stream of places to go or events to attend. Uh, so there, there wasn't really a whole lot of uh, breathing room in my, my schedule, uh, which is kind of hard to believe when you have, feel like you have a whole month off, but uh, it can, the to-dos can really pile up sometimes. Um, and then of course I had quite a bit of planning and, and prep for the year to do as well. Uh, I planned out and did a team building day with my students before school started. Uh, I created a sort of my own escape room and had a few other tasks and games for the kids to do. Um, and uh, I'm already back to school with my students and just trying to make sure my year gets off the ground uh, before taking a short paternity leave in September. Uh, So it's obvious I'm uh, not likely to be able to to make this podcast a weekly item, uh, but I'm really going to aim to average for an episode every two weeks. Uh, I'm not sure how my schedule will permit things. Uh, There might be a period of time where I do some in bursts of two or three episodes at a time and, and then maybe take a longer Uh, stretch of time where I don't have any episodes, but uh, I'm definitely going to work to do as much as possible and and also try not to let it take my time and attention away from my students. So I'm going to try to work that that balance there. Uh, For my next episode, I would like to solicit some help from everyone listening. So please stay tuned for specifics on that at the end of this episode. Uh, Today's guest is Jason Santo from Geneva High School in Illinois. As many of you know, Jason was the Student Television Network's National Teacher of the Year. Uh, His program has won the Regional Broadcast Excellence Award and placed in numerous competitions at convention. Uh, One of his students was just named a uh, runner-up for the National Student of the Year Award. Uh, He'll talk about her role and and impact on his program. Uh, In this episode, you'll also hear a bit about his difficulty as a first-year teacher. And and all of a sudden, the second day I'm there, I go to fire up the system that we were using at the time, went to fire it up all of a sudden, and it crashed. So literally, I'm there two days, and I break a piece of equipment, and I'm thinking, huh, how do I handle this? His belief in the need for students to be active journalists. And we need to let kids know that using your voice and, and being active in your school is critical to your enjoyment, I think, of high school. And his group's experience in Russia for the exchange program through STN. Life-changing experience because the parents were freaking out. They didn't know what to expect. A couple of them called them a couple times because I was like, no cell phones, they're fine. Don't worry, we will be okay. Um, And they were, and they loved every experience over there. As always, it amazes me how much I find myself gleaning from these conversations, even as I go through and listen to them again. Uh, And Jason is no exception. Uh, I hope you guys really enjoy it. Uh, This was recorded back at the end of June. Uh, So I'm finally getting it out, my first episode in about 45 days. Let's get to it. All right, I am here with Jason Santo. Jason, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? 
I'm fantastic. I am in the middle of rearranging my house, trying to make room for a baby boy. And so that's uh, got kind of everything just everywhere right now. Uh, but but how, how have you been spending your summer? Uh, so, so far, uh, I'm, I'm kind of blending my roles. I'm going back for a second master's. So that's taking up some time uh, right now. Uh, just on vacation out in Colorado and uh, enjoying time with with family, kind of taking a break from from school and planning and and kind of the whole TV world right now. Fantastic! What are you getting your your masters in? Uh, education leadership. Um, just kind of in our role as, as teachers, I think it's it's valuable to have more knowledge about just how the whole building works that we work in and how how to better work with our students to prepare them for the future. So. Um, all things I kind of look at towards the future. Awesome. Uh, all right. Well, Jason, let's go ahead and talk about your your background and kind of how you got to to where you're at. So, how did you find yourself in a classroom? Um, so it's kind of interesting. I uh, I I took a really circuitous route to to teaching in general. Um, I graduated from Marquette University with a broadcast journalism degree. Uh, I was the play-by-play guy for the men's basketball team there for four years. Uh, I I tell students all the time, I just missed Dwayne Wade. I got to see him during practices because he was a partial qualifier. I didn't get to be there when they went to the final four. So my teams weren't as, uh, as fun to watch sometimes. Um, But I had a great time. I was courtside all the time. And I was like, this is what I want to do. This is all I want to do is broadcast either basketball or um, baseball and um, and so I went into broadcasting, took a job in Arkansas for a few months. And after that, uh, just was like, I, I can't be here. I, I got to try something else and went to um, back to my hometown of, of Detroit area and took an internship in uh, sports producing um, at Channel 4 in Detroit. So did that for two years, then became a sports anchor and reporter in northern Michigan did that for another two and a half years and then finally said, I- I'm good. But along that route at the station I was at, we would have high school students come over to our studio uh, weekly and they would do a show. And so I found myself actually going into the studio a little early on those days and working with students. And I was like, this is crazy that you you guys get to take these classes. I never had classes like that growing up. And so I, I did that. And, you know, my contract was up and I said, you know, I just I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I think I, I really enjoy the education um, portion. I have a lot of educators in my family. And uh, so I looked at how to become a, a teacher and went, went to Illinois, um, friends there, Marquette Connection kind of uh, nearby. And so I went back to school, did that and following uh, completing it, I took a job in Arizona for a year just to teach, and then came back home. Uh, my girlfriend, now wife, was in town, and uh, Geneva called one day and said, "We have a a broadcast teaching position." And I said, "I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> like, w- you fully have a broadcast teacher?" And they said, "Yeah, we offer five sections of it, and we're." We have a full TV studio in the school, and I was blown away. And I met him, I remember walking into the interview and saying, like, I, I'm meant for this job, so if you guys just want to hire me. Um, and sure enough, uh, that that's how I got into teaching at Geneva High School. Just finished my seventh year there. So, um, yeah, 
kind of crazy route, but um, a fun one. That's awesome. So when you initially planned to go into education, were you, I assume, were you, you, were you not specifically looking at something that was like uh, a TV production class or what were you intending on teaching? Um, so I was, I have an English degree, so I'm in our English department. So it just kind of got, it was a lucky break because we, you know, I talked to a lot of TV teachers and, and they split where they are. Some are in the business program or consumer sciences or, or what have you. And ours just made the switch that year to the English department. Without that switch, I wouldn't have been qualified enough to take the, um, job because, I wouldn't have been in that department or had the degree that they would have required potentially. So I always am thankful that they made the switch. Um, so it's, it, it's just kind of a interesting way. So that was my background. And I love teaching English. And I, I love when I get a chance to teach my English courses. Um, but I love being in the broadcast studio. The kids, they're, they're a different group. You really get to connect with those kids on a much different level than I would if I had a classroom of 30 kids. Um, and I, you know, I'd get to know those kids, but I really get to know my broadcast kids because they're with me all four years. That is really interesting that you guys are, are part of the English department because usually, uh, like I know my program, we're part of career and technical education, but before that we were fine art. So like I, I just, uh, from what I just heard of different teachers, usually it's either considered arts or tech ed. Um, and so that is kind of a, a unique, uh, uh, element to be part of the the English department, but, but very relevant because there's obviously a lot of writing involved in, in what we do. Right. That was the transition when I asked him actually, why are we, you know, one of my questions in the interview, why, why are you now switching to the English department and, and the uh, principal at the principal, the assistant principal said, the reason is we're really trying to get more of the journalism base back and we're trying to get the writing instead of just the creative aspect. And I said, okay, I, I mean, I can totally understand the reasoning and I know I'm, you know, kind of one of the odd ones out in that position, but I think the relevancy is good. You know, sometimes um, it, it's tricky because I'm battling English electives and, and I'm not really out there with the business electives that are out there or the other electives that are offered in the school. So uh, we don't have a ton of English electives, obviously. We have creative writing and all of those things. But hands-on type ones, um, you know, I'm not there with the, the woods classes that other programs might be by when they have an open house or something like that. So I kind of stand alone. I'm like, here are these cameras. And other people are like, these are the creative writing things you're going to be doing uh, during class. So I stick out a little bit in that regard, but it is a little bit different. Yeah, that that's really cool, though. I, I, I love the fact that your school realized the need to emphasize journalism and, and realized that the content that the kids write really matters. And, and instead of just treating it as just learning technical expertise. I, I, I like that a lot. Um, so let's segue into talking about your program and, and kind of, uh, you, you talked about how there was already a studio when, when you got there. Um, tell us about what, tell us what your program was like when you first arrived and kind of how it's evolved uh, in your seven years of teaching. Um, okay, so so I remember the first day, um, what they do is they actually never showed me the studio um, when I got hired. Uh, initially. And what they did is the first tour of the school I got, I didn't even have keys to my room or anything like that. Um, I'm walking around with other new teachers and there were only four of us that year. So we were a small hiring group. And 
one of the principals walks around and goes, oh, that's where the TV studio will be. And I was like, can we stop the tour of the TV studio so I can see what I'm dealing with? Um, and I had really gotten hired about a week and a half before school started. So it was not a, um, a long period of time where I got to really plow into planning. I was basically planning you know, day by day at that point. And I remember walking into the studio and um, it was full of equipment. And just equipment to the ceiling, to the, everywhere. Um, and our previous teacher, she had started the program and um, was part of STN. And, um, and I am grateful for what she had. And I just looked around and was like, we've got to kind of alter some things. And, and all of a sudden, the second day I'm there, I go to fire up the system that we were using at the time, um, which was called, I think, Globecaster was went to fire it up all of a sudden and it crashed. So literally I'm there two days and I break a piece of equipment and I'm thinking, huh, how do I handle this? Like, do I go to my principal and actually ask him for a replacement on my second day? Or do I just sit here and fudge the entire thing as long as I can before they realize something's wrong? So um, my principal is amazing. So I went to him and I said, this piece of equipment broke. And he goes, oh, that's probably right. It's about five, six years old. I was like, Phew. and he said, okay, well, we have to order something because we have parent, um, parent welcome night in two weeks and we have to broadcast that. So all of a sudden I'm like, well, we need to order a TriCaster. We need to do this and it's going to cost us X amount of dollars and it's in the thousands. And he goes, okay, we'll figure out a way to get that ordered and it arrived uh, the day before we had to broadcast for parent night. So I had very little uh, time to learn that on top of teaching all these new students. Um, and so they had five sections. And I remember my students, my one of my students who just graduated college this year, uh, walked in. She was a sophomore at the time. And she goes, I'm here to, to meet the new teacher. I was sent by all the students who already existed to see if you were nice or not. And I was like, well, I don't know if you're going to find out if I'm nice or not in 30 seconds that I'm here. But I was rearranging lights in the studio and, and doing all that and planning. So um, that was my first year. And I remember kids walked in and said, well, we're, you're going to take us to STN, right? And I said, well, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have absolutely no idea. And they said, well, it's in Dallas and it's this huge festival and it's this and this. And I said, I'm in year one. I've got to figure out if I'm going to make it through to March and even how this whole thing works. And the idea of taking students to Dallas in your first year was daunting, to say the least, when you you, you knew them, but not that well. Um, and so we went through that whole process uh, year one and I learned a lot. I mean, I I cannot tell you. Uh, everyone says first year teaching is is chaos and you just kind of, you know, find your way and you, you paddle your way through the year. But I think that first year of teaching was more hectic than than most first year teachers get. Um, equipment breaking, dealing with broadcasting out to the school, um, things would happen on the news that, you know, because we were live at the time. We were 100 um, percent live and, you know. Kids were taking the class that were with the former teacher, and I had to say that we weren't doing it the same way, and that was a that was a pull the first year, um, but it was something we I definitely learned from, and I think the good thing is for my program and for the future that that's how 
um, that's that helped me set a standard um, pretty quickly uh, of the students who were going to take the course and how the program was going to go as we went into the future. And, and so I, I remember that. I remember my first group of kids extremely well because they kind of helped get me through that first year. Um, but I think we're super close because of the way that first year went. Awesome. I can um, I, I can definitely draw several parallels in my first year, I think to your first year, both with an, an old piece of equipment that, you know, our show was housed on and, uh, breaking down. And, um, uh, the parent night thing I can relate to that my principal at the time made a huge deal about open house video. And so that was a big stress for me. The first like two or three weeks was an open house video. And, um, I didn't have my kids, uh, uh trying to take, take, take us to STN. Uh, so that was one less thing that I had to, to worry about my first year. Um, but yeah, that sounds, uh, that, that's definitely, it sounds like baptism by fire a, a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I remember, uh, so two of the principals came in, the, the assistant and the head principal came in and they sat down on the stairs cause we have a two floor studio slash, uh, studio area. And he said, have you had ideas about the, how the news will run? And this is maybe day five that I'm on the job. And I said, I kind of have an idea, but you know, I'm looking around the studio trying to figure out how we're going to work things. And they go, the only rule we have is we don't want you to broadcast weather. And I said, okay. And they said, other than that, I said, can I ask why? And they said, look, our weather segment was kind of a, a joke. They weren't really doing weather and we just don't think it, it fits. And I said, okay, that works for me. I mean, I'm a sports guy. So those of you, those of us who are, were, came from the broadcast field know sports guys always got bumped for weather. So for me, I was like, fine, this is my payback to the weather guys who always took time for me. Like, no, I'm not teaching weather and I'm not going to have a, a green screen and have them pontificate about how great the weather is going to be outside while students are stuck inside. Um, you guys might have an open campus in Florida and Geneva, you're stuck inside and, and you don't want to know if it's 85 and sunny in the first week of school and you're like, well, I'm missing summer break or being at the pool. So, so yeah, so we got rid of weather pretty quickly. Nice. Uh, tell us about where your program's at, at now. Um, you guys have a daily tape product. Um, I, I've watched some of your shows. You got a, you guys got a nice looking new set. Um, just tell us about some of the work that you guys do, some of the segments uh, that you guys do, and um, you know, where what your program's like today. Okay, so um, so we offer five, five, six, six levels of classes that students could take. So we have an um, an intro. It just changed the name, so our course names just changed. So I might mess them up, but we have an introduction to filmmaking that we um, brought in uh, a few years ago. You know, just to teach kids the basics of cameras and writing and, and scripting and all that, um, because we're kind of a blended program with film and everything. And then we have an introduction to um, broadcasting. So this is where usually freshmen, sophomores, and juniors will take that course to learn how the daily news show works. And, and it's a lot of um, theory as we go in the first half. And as we get to the second half, they actually start digging into the TriCaster, how to do over-the-shoulder graphics, how are we moving the camera motions, using um, Rundown Creator. So they get very well-versed in Rundown Creator and what a rundown means and how we're properly going to stack it and all the production things um, that we have to do. So they all do that um, in that class. Then our third level is reporting and writing. 
And that class will create news stories um, and they'll go out and they'll report on something, whether it's in the community or in the school, and then they'll take the time to edit those core, uh, those packages together for the daily news show. Then we have a, then we have the advanced broadcasting course and the advanced broadcasting course is the daily tape show that you see. Um, and it's, it's crazy. Um, we, walk in third hour or second hour start a second hour and the students in that course or that you see on camera have one class period to get that whole show together so they have roughly 45 minutes to get everything written produced graphics made all of that done in a 45 minute period it's beneficial obviously if we have a story locked in um, those change um, but that is an option that they have if there's one there um, and then they'll do the daily announcements and then the next levels we have is a every other year course it's either um, production of documentaries so we really go in depth um, on making a documentary we worked two years ago we have a ushl um, junior hockey team that the players go off to college usually from it or into the pros and so we did a documentary with them um, we also had a couple students who produced one about how students would do without their cell phone for a week so we did like a scientific experiment with um, the documentary and then the other year we will offer American history of television through sitcoms and then we will pair with our creative writing program and they will make a sitcom that the creative writing group wrote and then they'll produce the whole thing um, for the full script. So that will be those. Um, so those are the courses we offer. Then quickly back to the um, second hour broadcast, the tape broadcast, which we air right away at third hour. So there's no editing for us. Um, we end. Sometimes you'll hear shows where the bell is in the background because they've been running a little bit late. Um, and then we do primarily school announcements. Now that's changing this year a bit. Um, we have a new news director who has kind of a new focus on, on the way that she wants to kind of present things. Um, and we will go forward in our segments. Very. We try to do a student of the week. Um, if we can, uh, sometimes students don't really want to do the student of the week. They think it's kind of a boring concept, but um, it's it's really um, practical and works for us. It's really practical because they can edit it quickly, um, but it also exposes us to new students. So what um, our new news director, who's going to be a junior this year, she designed um, and her and I are working on it, a idea for what's called... Um, Humans of Geneva, and we kind of took it um, from, I think, Karin had it um, down in South Carolina, and um, we saw it from Humans of New York on Facebook, and what we decided was we were just going to ask generic questions and try to make a story out of it and learn more about each student within the building, and so we weren't just focusing on athletes or somebody who was a valedictorian or anything. It was just any student. We have 2,000 students in the school, so just find a student and go, hey, we're going to do a story on you, and we're just going to figure out what your story is um, so that's going to be a new segment this year and then um, you know it's a lot of new segments we're a very big um, sports school so we do focus uh, a bunch on sports um, as well uh, and then I'm trying to think what else I, this year they created a new segment students didn't want to eat on camera 
So I don't know if you saw this um, one, but they have a new one where I go around town and I eat food. It's called Snacking with Santo. It is the most embarrassing thing in the world. Um, so staff does not, it's not the favorite segment of staff. But for students, it was, I thought it would last a week. And students actually started to ask, when are, when's the next one? When's the next one? And when I went on paternity leave, some of my students were like, they're really asking, where are you? Are you all right? And I was like, I understand. I'm just not taping any segments right now. So we're going to bring that back um, in a new form and do it more web-based because we're trying to show kids that web-based TV. So we're going to do some teases on it and then drive them to our website um, so it gets more exposure to other things that we're doing within our program. Nice. Yeah, I, I did come across that segment um, on your guys' website. And uh, it, sometimes it's just the just little things that, that you know are, are somewhat silly like that um, can, you know, really interest your student body. And so, you know, whatever kind of grabs the interest of your student body and, and, and kind of entertains them a little bit is always good to, to put in there. But yeah, I did come across that. I thought that was a, uh, just kind of a, a fun moment to kind of be able to throw, um, into the product that, that you guys do. Yeah. We have, we had students who did it in the past, um, like kind of one-offs and they, nobody would really take it. And they're like, nobody's going to do this. Their businesses aren't going to like this. And I was like, guys, these take two minutes. And we, I went out with one of my seniors. He grabbed a camera. The first one took us 30, uh, like we ordered a taco. It took us two minutes to tape it. He had to slap the logo in the front of it. Boom, he was done. He's like, guys, these are super easy. We need to do these more often. And it just took me eating food and not a lot of it. Like I only took one or two bites and I was like, I'm done. So, um, so yeah, so it was a fun segment. Yeah, plus any excuse to eat food for me is is totally worthwhile. Um, True. In Geneva, we have a lot of good restaurants, so yeah. Nice. Um, One thing that stood out to me in the – now, I'm I'm taking this straight off the the bio that that, uh, the Student Television Network uh, wrote up on you uh, when you won Teacher of the Year this past year. Um, But you're creating a communications department at your school where it's kind of the various publications – uh, at your school will kind of be combined and working together. Um, I, I found that it's really important, at least for me, to collaborate with the other journalism programs at my school. And especially this last year, I made it a real point to try to do a bit more in collaboration with my newspaper class. Um, when I say my class, it wasn't my class, but with our newspaper program at our school. Um, and we've tried to do more like online, especially together. Tell us about how that collaboration is going to look and, and why that's something that you want to do. Um, so we have, we have uh, a journalism class, which this year explode, uh, this upcoming year exploded. We now have two sections of it. We have 30 students signed up for it. Last year we had 12 total. We offered it one semester. It is the first time in years that we've offered two sections of that print journalism class. Um, so those are our newspaper, our web-based kids. Um, we have a newspaper, it's called Voyager. And so that was that group. And what I realized is leading into this school year, we just didn't have enough buy-in on our yearbook staff. Our yearbook staff at the time was only slated to be six students. That's it, out of 2,000. So I was like, we have got to blow that number up. And we've got to get the number of journalism kids higher. Um, and then we paired up with our literary magazine, which was getting submissions, but not 
enough, didn't have enough notoriety um, it, it, from the outside is what I saw. And so what I thought is, well, we're all in the English department. We're all doing something where we want kids to actively use their voice and be part of the creative process. So why don't we all pair up and do something together and really lean on each other for support? And so we created the communications department and um, and we all worked together to try to help each other. And year one, obviously there were bumps in the road. Um, we you know weren't always you know necessarily on the same page, um, but we were learning through this. And what we created, which we think was super effective for us, was a whole communications week. So we did a giant blowout the entire time, and. Every day was something special for us. So it was going to, you know, whether we were giving T-shirts away the first day or um, on the Thursday we were there, we gave stickers away. On the Thursday, we did a whole day where we were in the center of our building um, and we broadcast our news from there. We were writing and producing shows all day. The Voyager kids were there writing stories. The literary magazine kids were selling previous magazines and also working and showing kids how the compilation worked. And then the yearbook kids were taking photos all day and we had a photo booth. So they were grabbing the images from the photo booth and they were able to put that into the um into the yearbook. And so we realized that all of us working together actually benefited everybody. And it's even going to grow next year when we do the humans of Geneva aspect. What we decided is that the newspaper kids now can take those bits or those quick little segments, snap a photo, couple questions, boom, there's a weekly thing that we can put on to the web page. And then the yearbook kids are going to create a whole humans of Geneva section. And so three out of four of us, and then what we're going to do is we're going to have the pictures of kids all of a sudden compile, and those can go in to the literary magazine to show the faces of, of students um, around. And we can have a student write either a poem or some short story about students in Geneva High School. So we can kind of give them a prompt. And the idea was just really more faces, more ability to grow our programs. And, you know, it's helped year one. And I think it's critical because we're in a time where journalists are being attacked constantly. And we need to let kids know that using your voice and, and being active in your school is critical to your enjoyment, I think, of high school. If you just want to kind of go by and be one of the you know, a student who just doesn't want to be vocal and doesn't want to take an active role, that's fine, but you're not going to get the most out of your high school experience. You're not going to really explore. And we want kids to explore. And so the the coolest thing, you know, above all I thought we did was we, the registration week, all of our kids go down our long hallway and they have to take photo upon photo upon photo. And we created a booth where kids would stop, hold up a whiteboard, on the whiteboard, it would say, um, I am, and they could write anything they wanted as long as we approved what they wrote. Obviously, it wasn't inappropriate. They could be, I am, and some kids would be tired, or seniors would be like, ready to leave, or whatever it was. They'd write it, we'd snap a photo, and then we'd slap it on that wall. And at the end of the week, of the 2,000 kids, we had over 1,200 kids take photos. That was huge school buy-in for us. And it immediately gave us visibility. And on that parent night I talked about, that's where parents were stopping. 
and they were looking for their kids and they were going, oh, look, oh, here's so-and-so, here's so-and-so. Oh, and laughing. And that as a teacher and as, as somebody who helped form this idea was like, this works. We've just got to keep doing this. So, so I've loved it. Um, and I'm excited for next year and for the growth that will hopefully keep going. Yeah, that, that is really cool. I, um, it, it's really important. I think there, there's strength in unity, um, strength in numbers for, for your program and, and the other publications to be able to work together. I definitely think um, it, it makes your program, like especially I'm saying this as a, a TV production class where my class is kind of, we're isolated from the rest of the campus. We're in the back of our media center. We're, there's no other classroom uh, nearby. We have our yearbook and newspaper on the other side of a wall from us and have to kind of walk around to kind of get there. So it's, it's difficult for our students to interact and collaborate. But any chance you get to be able to, to find ways to work together, um, you know, I, I think definitely enhances um, our programs and, and what we do. So we were, I mean, that's great. You're even, you have a wall between you guys. We're, a, we did an addition back in, I think it was 2000 on the building. So where our studio is, is actually, uh, was not part of the school. And so there's bricks in our studio that are the old outside of the building. And we are completely separated from the English department, everybody. I have my own office down there. Um, so I rarely see, have any like adult interaction during the day. Um, and so that's what we were hoping to do is kind of like shrink that world that we're talking in, um, through. And, you know, it's worked so far. We'll see if it keeps working. Hopefully it keeps working. Yeah, uh, definitely. Keep at it. Um, going off of that and, and, and as far as like connecting and, and being able to, uh, I guess, add to and enhance your program, um, you're also developing a, a program or at least working with a, a program at your middle school, correct? I am. So we have two middle schools. So one of them is taking on to it a little bit more. Um you know, we're we're going through a process where we're trying to expose students to both journalism and to film, whatever they kind of gravitate towards. And the reason is we didn't have anything like that. You know, we don't have a program that leads into us. Um, you know, not everybody is like Carlsbad, where Carlsbad has a huge middle school that wins all these awards at STN. And then, you know, they just go over to the high school. And I was like, well, this is, this is convenient. Like you're, you're winning a lot of awards here. You're bringing a lot of kids to the convention and you're building this tradition that just goes on. And, and we didn't have that. And so one of my former students' moms was working at the middle school and she said, we've got to start this. And so they, they do it as a club now. We're working on trying to get it as a class, but you know, that's the principals in the district going, okay, we see value. They see value now. Now they just have to buy into like doing it, you know, but we offer German. We offer all the other courses at the middle school. Why is the only course we don't offer a journalism based course, which would be great for writing for English kids. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, for schools that like, there are some teachers that I know that, you know, maybe that they just, you know, they want to kind of stick to their school and their thing and, and not necessarily associate with the middle schools. It can be, if there is even a middle school program established, sometimes it can be kind of frustrating trying to uh, work with and even collaborate or, or find ways to, uh, I, I guess, uh, 
enhance, help enhance the middle school programs. Why is that something that you feel is important? I mean, there's kind of the obvious that, yeah, that feeds into your program, but as far as like the education of students and, and what value it brings to the education they're getting in middle school, um, why is that something that you think would, would be important for your area? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say like why to, when they talk to me about it, I would say, well, why isn't it important? You know, why, why isn't the idea of journalism or writing or creating things? You know, our, our district rolled out a new vision plan, grand vision plan, a few years ago. And it was to create self-adapted lifelong learners. Well, we're having kids use iPads within the classroom with their science class, let's say, to learn how to do a, a weather report and how weather cycles work. Well, that's great, but then why aren't we actually teaching them how to be in front of a camera? Why aren't we telling them how the camera works? You know, so they show all these great things, and they, we, we tout as a district, look, we're doing this with this book, or we're doing this with this. And I see students in our, our health program are filming things on their phone all the time, but I don't see those students. And it's partially because they don't really know what's going on down in the studio. You know, they look at it as like, whoa, there's all these TVs and it's really cool down there. But if we're exposing kids to these already, why aren't we teaching them the right way to do things? You know, we have right now, our only other TV news show in the district is at one elementary school. We have six elementary schools, two middle schools and a high school. One elementary school will do it once a week or every other week. And they'll put it up onto YouTube. Teachers will watch it. Well, why are, then all of a sudden they have a gap in middle school. They don't even touch the stuff. And they come back and they're like, I remember doing this. It's so, why are we giving them a break? They love it at one point. So let's just let them keep doing what they actually love. You know, I'm, I'm one of these teachers who's, you know, not every kid is going to be a businessman or, or a physicist or, or whatever. We've got to be able to find what that kid likes and, and really go to that. And if it's at middle school and there is a passion for it, then guess what? That kid's going to enjoy being at school. And, and, and if he enjoys being in my class, then guess what? He's got to have the grades to be able to go to STN and participate in the things that we do. So hopefully he's going to stay active in school. Then it's a win. There, there, it's a no-lose for us to have more kids in classes that they enjoy. And so at the middle school level, to just go, this is the track, that, that seems to stymie and, and stop everything that we're trying to tell them to do. Enjoy school. Enjoy what you're learning. You know, come in with a smile every day. You know, so if there's that one class, if it's PE for a kid or if it's art, let them take the course. You know, don't, don't say like, hey, can't take it till high school. You know, because my belief is I, I always wanted to be a middle school teacher it was really strange. Like, that's what I did my student teaching in. Like, that's what I thought it was going to be. But when kids came back from courses they loved, like, they were ready to learn the next class. Like, their brains were engaged and ready to go. So I want that. I want them engaged in every class that they go into. So that's kind of my long-winded way of saying, like, you got to offer classes more often. And I bet yeah. if you talk to Doug at Carlsbad, he's like, these kids are doing great. And they're doing well in school. And then they come to me and they're excited about what we're doing. For sure. Well, and especially having the opportunity to explore journalism, because you know, that's a course where you're going to learn about so many different other things. You're going to perhaps learn about your future career field um, 
as you study journalism because you're going to get to write stories about different things happening in your community or in your school or, or what have you. Um, so I think especially journalism has that value, has that, that importance of, of giving students exposure to the world around them. Right. And it, it, look at the editing process and the writing process and that whole process. It teaches kids that, hey, there is a step by step I have to go through. And it's not any different than writing the, the English you know, research paper. Like you've got to outline, you've got to go through the process of finding all the details. The only difference with journalism is I'm using Final Cut Pro or Adobe to edit it together. And I, I'm going out to shoot video with the audio that needs to be crisp and sound good. You know, it, it's the same process. It's just we're using a camera and we're putting your face in front of the camera. For some kids, that's like horrifying. For other kids, they love it. Yeah. All right, so this last year, um, you had a student who was the uh, runner-up for National Student of the Year from the Student Television Network. Um, it's a name that I, I know I was familiar with because we would constantly see her work shown at, at conventions. She, uh, I know, had uh, projects that won multiple awards, and um, she was a host one year. Um, so Caitlin Keenahan, uh, runner-up for National Student of the Year. Um, tell us what having a student like Caitlin uh, in your class um, how that was, uh, she was valuable to your program, kind of what, I guess, what influence she had on the rest of the students as a leader, um, and, and what it was, you know, like having a student who was just, you know, all in like that and how that was, you know, meaningful to everyone else. Um, and, and this is tough. Um, and it's going to be very similar, uh, to Ben. So Caitlin came to me as a freshman. She sat up in the front row of my intro classes asking questions like crazy. And, and sometimes you're like, Oh God, you know, it's an elective. Am I going to lose this kid? And she, she like came back right away. She was bubbly, ready to go. She had her goals already set in mind. She knew where she wanted to like go to school, what she wanted to do. She didn't really know about STN. Once she learned about it, she was all in. Okay, she was a freshman who was leading the group, not kind of standing by the group. Um, she was being an active leader with the group and helping write. And so the first year we um, sat down and you know my seniors were like, uh, this Keenahan girl's pretty good. And I was like, yeah, she's not gonna report for our eight hour this year. She's just gonna anchor. I don't wanna put pressure on her at all. And so she anchored and that group took fifth place. Then she went into her reporting one. I think she took fifth place in that. And I was like, well, this is strange, really. Uh, uh, Going to be uh, a long three, three years now with her. Um, and then she went to STN or actually pre-STN and took an honorable mention in the fall challenge. Then she finished second place in her natural sound package. Then she didn't win in the fall challenge the following year. Then she won second place again. Um, and all along the lines, like, you know, I'm working with her and I see like just like a different level of student going on. And she's working with students and trying to help them get to, to various points or teach them about uh, an editing technique that she's doing. Um, and we we end um, her junior year and... You know, she's won all these awards. She was on the team that went to Russia last year um, for the Eurasian Foundation. Um, and she was the catalyst for that. Like, she just said, I'm going to Russia. Who's coming with me? And, and immediately, the whole group was like, she's going. So, like, if we want to go to Russia, like, she's going to make us get there. Um, and 
and she was calling me, you know, leading up to it. She would, you know, call. She was also my kid's babysitter. So she would call me and be like, they sent me an email. What does this mean? Are we going? Are we going? And I don't think there was a more excited kid when we, when we won that than, than Caitlin. And, you know, we're over in Russia and, and she said, you know, look, my goal is to, to win both in the fall challenge and at STN and then to, to be student of the year. And I said, look, it's, those are super lofty goals. You've taken second a lot, and honorable mentions. And this year, um, she stayed in studio more than anybody um, I can recall. Uh, and in past years, there have been times that her mom would come in with dinner for her, and they'd be there till 11 at night. I was long gone. But Caitlin had that ability to be in studio, and she would nitpick a frame. Not not a whole second, a frame. She'd be like, I got to get rid of this frame. If I can get rid of this frame, it will get be stronger. And so she got into the, went through the year. She uh, took second place in the fall challenge. After the fall challenge, she um, was, her goal was Syracuse. Like that's where she wanted to go. Um, and, and she was, she's like, look, and, and to go back to, to Ben and Sarah Murphy, she she's like, look, that Sarah Murphy poster was above the computer, basically, where, where Caitlin works. Um, she knew what Sarah Murphy had accomplished. She she really like that was her uh, objective. And so she um, unfortunately, she didn't get into Syracuse, which was like mind blowing to all of us. Um, but it, she got into Arizona State. And has talked to the dean, and she is now moving to advanced courses. They have bumped her past freshman level introduction classes and have said, if you want to be on air this coming year, please let us know. So that was like a blessing in disguise. All of a sudden, I was like, holy cow, amazing. I did not anticipate this from an from a incoming freshman to a big university like Arizona State for a broadcast program. So she just kept defying odds. And then all of a sudden... I won teacher of the year and I said, oh, I, I was stunned. And she was the driving force behind that. And and I said, my only worry is that they won't have two of us be blanks of the year. So student of the year, or teacher of the year from Geneva High School. Um, that's my only worry. And I, I wrote to Nancy for Caitlin's student of the year. And I said, I will, I will gladly send back my award and you know, everything that happened at the convention. Um, if I'm able, if Caitlin Keenahan were to win student of the year and, you know, when Nancy had called and, and said it was really close and, and Caitlin hadn't won, you know, I think I, um, yeah, I think I was probably sadder than Caitlin. Um, she's amazing. She's super talented. She has raised our program to a different level. Um, my kids, if you ask them, love having Caitlin as their babysitter. Um, I say to my, uh, oldest daughter who's, who's nine now and who loves coming to GTV, um, and being around the studio and wants to do it when she comes to school, which is scary for me. Um, I say to her, you need to know that Caitlin Keenahan was your babysitter because at some point you will see her on nightly news or CNN or somewhere because she's just not going to be denied. I mean, we do a we do a reach out program where we encourage students to find a mentor in the field. And Caitlin did that. Not only did she do it with one reporter or two reporters, she wrote to Boyd Hubert and said, 
here's a package. Can you give me some feedback? Boyd Hubert wrote her back a two-page email. And she became close with Boyd Hubert to the point that when she walked into the room with him this year, he knew who she was. And he was sitting there watching her stories. And to, to end it for me, she's sitting there in that room and Boyd Hubert is watching one of her stories to, to really critique it. And I'm like, give her some critique, please. Be like tough on this one. And he sat back and just watched two minutes. Rewound it one time just to listen to a Nat sound pop that she did to lead into a track. Found maybe a second of issue with her entire video. And when he left the room, took the jump drive it was on and said, do you mind if I put this on my computer so I can show it back at my station? Okay, this is a guy who is considered one of the best storytellers in our country right now. And he is asking Caitlin Keenahan to use her story, to see it, so he can show it to the station. That's the type of student that Caitlin is. And truly, our, our, our freshmen, our sophomores, and our juniors have benefited greatly from her. And I know the kids that are coming in and the kids that are back all got this foundation because of where Caitlin put them. So, yeah, she's, she's irreplaceable. I mean, honestly, and I've had great students, but it, it's going to be a, a challenging year for our students, and they know that uh, going in because Caitlin's not there uh, to, to help and guide. So, so I, th- I think it will be a challenge, um, but I think it's a challenge that my kids are ready for because they want to um, keep the standard that Caitlin put in front of them. Yeah, I think Karen McKemmy said uh, had a, a nice uh, bit where she said that when you um, when you cut back the branches of a tree, you'd be surprised the the little seedlings the, that that grow once you cut back a certain branch. Um, and I I think Caitlin's story is probably a, a, a an example to show that look, everyone starts from something. She came in as a freshman and you know, didn't have these these you know, grandiose goals but as you go throughout your high school career you start to realize what you're capable of and, and just sheer drive and determination can get you there um i remember watching the uh uh i think they won second place for it I, it's the the fall challenge um news package that they did and i i've shown that to my classes that specific package several times um just because i love the way that it's structured i, I love the use of the nat sound uh, breaks that they use and um, and, and just the stand up that she does where she transitions from uh, in the kitchen to the home of a cancer survivor um, like I, I've show, like I've specifically talked about that stand up and how that that works really well in the middle of their segment to transition um, so uh, yeah I've, we we've definitely noticed uh, her work and um, have, have really admired what what she's done in, in your program. Yeah, I remember when she came back and the fall challenge was released and she goes, I know of this lady. And I was like, how did this just fall in your lap? Like it was like this perfect story. And I was like, I don't know how you're going to do it. And she, uh, one of the cancer survivors, she went to their home um, on, a, on a Saturday or maybe it was a Sunday when it was delivered so that she could be there with them while they were eating. Like she just goes to the next level on projects. And when she went to the little girl's home, like – she was quote unquote sick that day and said, I need to get this shot. Like this will be the turning point of it. And I showed it to my wife and my wife cries here and there at Hallmark movies. Um, and, 
But she watched that and within 30 seconds, she had tears down her face. And she said, this is the best story uh, that could have been produced. And she is the perfect person for doing it. And so, you know, it's just, it's going to be tough. And I know that she's going to grab a camera at ASU and she's going to wow them. And I just anticipate she'll be somewhere big uh, right out of college, Um, you know. I always tell my kids, it's like, look, you'd be really happy with top 100. You know, if you're at 100, you'd be really happy. For Caitlin, I'd be stunned if it was like anything lower than 50. It would blow my blow my mind that she wasn't past 50. So, yeah. Pretty impressive. And, and you know, and, and look, we're teachers. We know that we only have a, a four-year period with them at most. You know, assuming they don't come in junior year. So, when you have that, um, and she won this year, like that was the cap. Like that was the perfect way. And, and um, she's got a sister who's a freshman who's going to be a sophomore now. Um, and, you know, it, it's just it's it's kind of different. And it was tough leaving Nashville for a lot of kids and for myself because I knew we wouldn't have that competition or that that challenge for her again. Um, so but there's somebody new like there there is that next Caitlin Keenahan for all of us at some point. And when they're there, you just have to hope you don't mess it up and like ruin them on journalism forever. You just have, hopefully you can keep igniting that fire for them. Um, I know that you're uh, loaning your time to us from vacation out there in Colorado, but I do want to ask you about one more thing here that you kind of touched upon uh, in that whole, whole segment there. Um, and that's the experience, uh, in Russia, uh, and, and what you guys experienced being a part of that program. So, uh, cause I know it's something that, that probably all, you know, not as many schools have necessarily looked into or considered, um, you know, for you guys, you said it, Caitlin was the, the real driving force to, to getting you guys to apply to, to do that. Um, tell us about that experience and, and how that was meaningful to you guys. So, um, we applied the first year, but we really didn't understand what it meant. It wasn't clearly defined. We saw it in the brochure for STN. We said, um, hey, this is this is part of it. Um, and my kids produced something. It wasn't great. And I was like, well, probably won't win. Ran it by my principal. I was like, hey, if we win, are we going to be able to go? He's like, oh, yeah, no problem. Um, when we didn't win, uh, the next year, Caitlin said, well, if they do it again, let's let's try and so we have club meetings on Monday and it was announced and she said, look, there's a quick turnaround. I'm going to need kids who are really ambitious and want to do it. Um, and um, she, a couple of kids came up and said, yeah, absolutely. And one of them was the uh, same class as Caitlin, Jacob, and and he's super creative. He's uh, one of the most creative filmmakers I've had. So they were able to collaborate on like a news level and then on a on a film level, and then the other uh, another huge driving force was um, Izzy Schomburger, who's going to be our our president this year, and they really sat down and said, "This is what we have to do, and this is the creative way." And it was a technique that um, Jacob had done. And when we won, um, I remember we called a parent meeting with the four parents um, immediately, and it was like overwhelming because we found out we won in the middle of the school day. So I'm having to like teach while telling my wife, Hey, I'm going to Russia um, soon um, and telling the principal and now communicating with parents. And I remember saying 
to the parents, I, I don't know what this means. You know, I know here's a general template of where we're going. But we were this year they got to go to Moscow and go to the World Cup. So they were at the opening of the World Cup. It was like more defined. Ours was, you're going to go to Moscow for three days, and then you're going to go to Chaboxery. And if you look up Chaboxery on Google, and you look for the images, there's literally a, a, a building with Chaboxery above it, and it's a port. And like we knew nothing about Chaboxery. It wasn't really um, well known. And then they say, well, we're going to take you to like an STN light. And this STN light is on a, in an island um, in, in this... I guess it was like the, in this uh, lake or sea area. Um, and it seemed to be a former Russian and Soviet camp. Um, and we went there and it was amazing. It, we learned so much. The kids were able to see and experience Russian culture and be around these Russian students um, for four days, I believe it was, go through um, everything that they would uh, do for their competition. It's a much different feel than STN. It's not as competitive um, at all. And there's a lot of singing and dancing and all of these things. And they just made friends over there. And it was great because the island, good and bad, um, there was really no cell phone signal on the island. So my kids had to put their phones down. And when... Russian students would be like, can I follow you on Instagram, which is a very popular request for them. They're like, sure, I can't. But if you follow me, I'll follow you back when I get back to, to town and I'll be able to do it. And and it was a, a really, I think, if you ask all of them, life-changing experience because the parents were freaking out. They didn't know what to expect. A couple of them called them a couple of times because I was like, no cell phones. They're fine. Don't worry. We will be okay. Um, and they were. And they loved every experience over there. And then they came back and produced shows for uh, the foundation. And to the point that my kids wanted to do it again this year. And, you know, as I mentioned at STN, I had a newborn. I was like, guys, this is not happening this year. I can't pull it off this year, um, but it would be amazing. But uh, there's freshmen right now who are like, well, if they offer it again this year, we're going to do it. And we're going to try um, because we want to be able to experience and learn more about um, the culture. And what Eurasian Foundation is doing is really amazing because they're they're putting students in a position to learn about a culture that they might not know. And especially in our news now, there's this horrible perception of. And when we went there, we noticed none of that. Um, we felt safe walking around town, um, walking around Moscow um, by ourselves with no guides. And we we just did that. And nobody came up to us. They were super friendly. Um, the lone experience we had where we might have gotten in trouble is we were in the middle of Red Square. And we have GTV flags and we took a GTV flag and we opened it up and the four kids took a picture and out of the corner of my eye, I saw a Russian police officer walking up and immediately he just wagged his finger and they put it in their backpack and away. But we have that photo and it was like, and the kids like shrunk away like, oh no, are we in trouble? I was like, no, we're fine. We put it away. We didn't, you know, argue, but um, yeah, I would encourage any, anybody to try um, and go and because the, it's not just being there our ability to talk to um, our 
group um, that was in Nova Sibirsk, which is in Siberia, basically, um, was great. We communicated with them all year. We made lifelong friends um, and we've enjoyed the process. And so I hope the groups that are there this year are enjoying it or have enjoyed it and enjoy what's coming the next year. So I encourage people, try it. Awesome. That that sounds like it was definitely a uh, uh, a valuable experience for, for your students, for sure. Um, all right, I want to go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, if you can go ahead and uh, let us know where can people check out your, your students' work um, and perhaps any other plugs that you want to give um, for your program or, or anything else. Okay, so um, we have a website, gtv304.com. It's under construction right now because they're trying to redo some things and, and change some things up. So it might look a little um, uh, wonky right now. Um, we are on Instagram at gtv304. Um, I guess kids tell people to follow that all the time. Um, you know, we'll have links to our YouTube channel um, as well off of our website. Um, all of our kids are are up there. They're creating their own websites now um, to get them ready for college. So I definitely check them out. I mean, that's this is how we learn. I mean, truly, I you know, and sorry to extend the podcast a bit, but I I learned honestly from the first year when my kids came in and said, you know, the school that wins all the time is this Carlsbad school, and we were watching Carlsbad on you know, the internet. And they're like, we've, we, we just have to beat Carlsbad. And the first year we're there, Carlsbad wins and wins and wins. And they're like, see, we told you. And, and then our year in Atlanta, we won six times. We had more awards than Carlsbad. And there is that learning process. And Doug great gave us all a great foundation. And now you can learn from them. And, and Ben and I at Whitney, we talk, um, we text each other. He just texted me from ASU and called me actually and was like, it's amazing. This is unbelievable, blah, blah, blah. Use the resources that are out there to help grow your program because it's not you are lone wolves, but you have to try to shrink this community. And STN, the convention does that, but the internet really helps. I mean, Ben and I are now collaborating in a way to for us to produce a story for his show and his group to produce a story for our show. And we're just going to drop the video over and be like, here you go. So, you know, I, I think any school you can use is valuable, you know, and, um, and, and that, that's my belief is like STN does a great job of preparing these kids and, and getting them ready. And, and Nancy and, and Doug, and, and, you know, they've all done amazing work to, for this organization. Um, and, you know, we're excited to be back next year in Seattle. It's going to be a long flight for a lot of people. Um, but we're, we're excited to, to see it and, and to be part of it because we learn. And, um, you know, I, I've learned from Karin's group. I've learned from, you know, Ben's group a lot. We're watching Whitney broadcasts from Palos, from all of those schools, um, because that we can't see everybody. It's not always out there. So, um, so our website is just, a little blip as to what GTV is like. Um, but yeah, check it out. Definitely. Yeah. Talking about that long flight, my, uh, those schools down in Miami, they're going to have the longest flight possible across the, uh, the continental U S and, and I'm not too far off from the Orlando area here. It's, it's going to be a, a, definitely a heck of a trek for us. Yeah. I was talking to Omar and he's like, this is going to take me. I'm like, yeah, 
days. Like, I was like, I don't know how you're getting gear there. We're trying to factor it in. We've started preliminary planning. So I email parents. I'm like, are we all right if I'm there on Monday? Because getting there on Tuesday, it's late and adjusting the kids and the convention. And they're like, one parent, you know, a couple of parents are like, that's a long time. I was like, it's our spring break. So it's our spring break. So we got lucky this year, but it's still just a long week of, uh, of travel. So yeah, I feel bad for the Florida schools. That's, it's going to be a, a hike for sure. I, I've made that flight before and yeah, it's uh, it was a while back, but it's, yeah, it's a long one. Um, all right. Uh, final question. What, when you, um, when you get asked, what do you do for a living? Uh, what, what answer do you give and what response do you tend to get in return? Um, so I tell people all the time that I am a teacher at Geneva High School and then they'll ask the subject and I tell them broadcast journalism and filmmaking um, within the English department so that they don't think I'm completely crazy. And they're like, well, what's that mean? And I said, well, we have a TV studio in our school. If you want to come visit it, come check it out. It's two floors and kids go to real, you know, it's a real world experience and they get to go out in the community. And they're amazed, you know, we, they see some of the videos and they can't believe what's going on. And that reaction is, this is the coolest thing that you get to teach. This type of program is amazing. And I was like, yeah, tell me about it. You know, I, I, I interned for, um, I don't know if you follow NBA basketball, but I interned for Chuck Swirsky, who is the play-by-play voice for the Chicago Bulls, and then Fred McLeod, who is the play-by-play voice for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I talked to Fred one time, and he goes, what do you mean there's a high school television program? And I go, oh, yeah, yeah, these kids are making movies and, and making news stories and sports stories and broadcasting, blah, blah, blah. And we went to lunch with him one day when the Cavs were in town down in Chicago, and he just had more questions for them. He's like, how do you get to do this? Like, what, what are your experiences? And that's, that's amazing. Kid, people are blown away by TV programs. Like, I don't know about everybody else's programs, but when we hear, when people in our community, they know of GTV, but other communities are like, what? When we go to the airport and they see all the luggage that we're taking, you know, I got stopped by a guy this year. Where are you guys going? Oh, we have a convention for television broadcasting and, and we're going down to Nashville. There's a what? I'm like, oh yeah, there's, you know, over... Over, I think it's like 3,000 kids and all these schools from all these states. He's like, that is amazing. I said, yeah. And, and when you first go there and the teachers I take with me, they're blown away by it. You know, the energy and everything. And and I don't know uh, of many other programs that are like that where you get that reaction of the community members and they're like, you teach what? You know, I, I think like it's a perfect name for the podcast, right? Of like what you have it. Because I don't think people realize that you know, this is out here and, and the ability that we have to really work with our students to give them hopefully a, a, a glimpse as to what they want to do in the future. So thanks for the podcast, by the way. I love it. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad that you're uh, enjoying it. And um, I'm, I'm, some teachers have just messaged me recently saying how much they're enjoying it. So I'm, I'm glad that people are finding it useful and valuable. And I thank you for uh, your time. I, I know you're out there with your family. And so, uh, hope that you are enjoying your couple weeks off. And I want to point out to everyone that Jason is wearing a Michigan t-shirt and a Detroit Tigers hat. I've got family from Michigan. So, uh, I'm all about, uh, go blue. And, uh, yeah. Hopefully it's a better year this year. Like it's, it's been frustrating. We've been lifelong season ticket holders, um, to it. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, uh, 
beating my head into the wall on a lot of Saturdays about what's going on. So, you know, it, this year better be better. Uh, well, Jason, thank you very much. And uh, No problem. Thank you. Have a great summer, man. And that was my conversation with Jason Santo. Uh, I have to apologize that uh, at, in that conversation you heard me mispronounce uh, his last name as Santo. Uh, I also came to the realization that in my interview with uh, Karen McKemmy from Fort Mill High School, I pronounced her name in that episode, Karen. Uh, and you heard me do it again here in this episode, so I apologize. Uh, if I ever pronounce any names wrong or pronounce just something wrong, maybe the name of a school wrong, uh, please don't hesitate to correct me. I try to tell my students all the time if I you know, mispronounce your name, don't hesitate to correct me. Uh, you know, I, uh, I want to make sure I pronounce things properly. So uh, if I ever make any you know, errors like that, please don't hesitate to shoot me an email and, and let me know. I'd love to, to make any corrections if, if I uh, uh, find something out that I need to correct. Um, you can email me at theyteachthat at gmail.com. And that kind of segues into what I want to let you guys know about for my next episode. So each interview I've done so far, I've asked uh, my, my guests for their thoughts uh, for first-year teachers, uh, kind of any advice, uh, anything they, they would like first-year teachers to know about or to hear. Uh, so my next episode is going to be a collection of those thoughts as well as, as, well as some of my experience as a first-year teacher, um, and I'd like to solicit the help of everyone listening. So. If you have any experiences on your first year of teaching or just any advice that you would uh, like to offer first-year teachers, maybe something that you would have liked to have heard your first year of teaching, um, or maybe a combination of your experience and some advice, uh, then I'd like to invite you to record yourself uh, and email it to me for inclusion in that episode. It's not very difficult to do. Uh, all you have to do is use the Voice Memos app or something similar on your phone. Um, there's a variety of different apps that you can even look up that, that will record audio. Um, just make sure that you're somewhere without background, without background noise. Uh, and it should come out pretty clear. Um, depending on the size of the file, you can then email it to me again at theyteachthat at gmail.com uh, or upload it to Google Drive and share it that way. Uh, Dave Davis actually introduced me to a site called WeTransfer, which I found very helpful and easy to use. So you could do that as well um, and send it to my email. Uh, I'd love to have as much participation as possible on this uh, and put together an episode that's helpful to anyone first starting out. My goal will be to have that episode out in two weeks. So if you would like to uh, contribute to it and um, submit an audio file, please try to email me uh, your audio by August 24th. All right, so by the end of the day, August 24th, that's a Friday. Uh, I'd really like to be able to try to get that episode edited and, and out the following week at some point. Um, so please, uh, uh, if you want to contribute, August 24th. Something else I'd like to do, uh, since it took me so long to get this podcast started after I recorded you know, several interviews back in 2017, uh, and as you just saw, it, it took me a while to get this episode out. I, I got caught up with a bunch of things in July. Uh, I don't have the best track record at sometimes being timely, uh, and some of you all uh, might find yourself kind of itching at, at giving uh, this uh, this whole podcast thing a go. Um, what I want to propose is that if you're interested in conducting your own interviews with colleagues the same way that I do, um, whether they be colleagues in your region or colleagues from across multiple time zones away, uh, reach out to me and let me know. 
if two of you want to get together and have a conversation and record it, uh, I'll host it right here on They Teach That. Uh, at the moment, I don't have any ad revenue, so I wouldn't be profiting off of your work. In fact, I actually pay each month to have this podcast hosted. Um, it took me a while to, to figure out how to start this this up, how to kind of get this uh, all, all going. Um, and many of you have been excited about this product. And so if you are interested in being a contributor, uh, here's what I ask that you do. Uh, preferably keep the conversation to, to two people so we can focus more on going in depth rather than, than breadth. I'd, I'd rather it not be like a, a large round table of, of four or five people. Just keep it to two people. Um, if you want to both answer questions from each other, that's fine. We can find out about two programs at once. Uh, or if you want to conduct an interview mostly about the other person the way that I do, that's fine too. That would, I think, allow for uh, a little more depth um, in content. I have a list of a bunch of people that you know, I would love to and, and hope to eventually get around to interviewing. Um, but if there's someone that you feel like you know well, uh, maybe again someone that's, that's in your region who you've interacted with quite a bit or just someone you've known for a while or that you've developed a good friendship with and you feel like you could do a really good in-depth interview with them, um, I'd love to be able to, to air it right here on, on this podcast. Uh, there are just more teachers than I can possibly reach out to and, and many great TV or video teachers out there that I might not have even ever heard of, but you all have and you know them and I'd, I'd love to be able to use that, uh, that knowledge and, and those connections to everyone's advantage. Uh, my main ask for anyone interested in, in taking up that offer uh, is that you make it meaningful content for all. Uh, so again, my email is theyteachthat at gmail.com and if you are interested in perhaps recording interviews that can be hosted on this podcast, uh, I'd love to, uh, to have uh, uh, maybe some contributors that could help with that and then uh, you know, maybe we could get uh, more regular episodes out uh, than, than I'm able to do on my own. So good luck to those of you going back to school uh, and those of you that are working right now preparing to go back. Uh, I hope to get some responses from some of you guys for my next episode about first year teaching and uh, hope to be back in your feed in two weeks.